This podcast episode was recorded on January 31st, 2022. The podcast was produced in my own personal capacity. The views expressed are my own and do not necessarily represent those of any organization with which I am affiliated. My name is Megan Brent Hamilton. I'm a speech-language pathologist and assistant professor, and I'm so glad you're here listening to the Honeybee Connection podcast by MB. This is your podcast to understand how language, culture, and other parts of our identity play a role in how we communicate. In each episode, I have a pretty awesome one-on-one conversation with my guest. Then I offer tips and insight into how we can better communicate with each other with a focus on language and culture. All right, let's get started. In this episode, we talk to Dave DeThorne. Dave DeThorne is a friend of mine via a friend of mine. (laughs) So I first met Dave through Laura. She was my PhD advisor, and now she's my friend and collaborator on many things in life. Dave was pretty awesome to talk to. He identifies as, in his words, in many ways, the default American male. So I was really excited to finally get someone who is just a straight white male who I think, you know, probably has a lot of privilege and default identities in this world. And come to find out, yes, I was correct, but then there are other things that do not line with the default or privileged identities, which is what I was interested in. He identifies as a recovering Catholic Um, a patriot, and even talked about being a primary caregiver as a dad. It was a great conversation. Um, I was fascinated by all the things we had to talk about, so much so that I had to edit this podcast, and we don't have the entire version here, but when I do MB's Five for the Hive, I'll definitely add a bonus track to all the other things that Dave and I spoke about. There just wasn't enough time. So sit back and listen to the conversation that I had with uh, Dave DeThorne. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Honeybee Connection podcast by MB. I'm your host, Megan Brett. And today we have the awesomely wonderful David DeThorne. Hello, David. Crowd goes wild. Crowd goes wild. Uh, now, do you want me to call you David or Dave? I don't even know if I've ever known. You know, I always tell people to choose whichever they want. And that makes them crazy because they want me to choose. Dave is half the syllables. It's much more efficient. Uh, David is more likely to make me think I've done something inappropriate or offensive. So Perfect. You do have a preference. Okay. So, <laughs> so we'll go with Dave. We'll go with Dave. I liked your, um, I liked your rationale. Perfect. So that's a little bit about Dave, if you guys just got that glimpse of who he is right there. I have known him technically now, I guess I've known you 11 years, almost 11 years. Has it been that long? I think so. Well, I met Laura in 2011, and I don't know if I met you in 2011 or if I met you in 2012. It's been about 10 or 11 years, though. We can round, I think. Yeah, we can round. So anyway, so tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into our lovely questions. Just, you know, who you are, what you do, what you like, things like that. Who I, oh, good Lord. This is the worst <laughs> interview question ever. Who I am. 
I'm a fan of Megan Brett Hamilton and her amazing work and communication, among other things. Uh, I am a, I've been thinking a lot about who I am in ways that I hadn't before. So thank you for this. Uh, I didn't ask what your hourly rate was. We can just <laughs> introspection and psychoanalysis. Um, you know what? I'm tempted to say, and I'll see where this takes us, that I'm in many ways the default American male. Ooh. I'm tempted. I'm tempted. Okay. And I'm tempted to name that the title of our episode. <laughs> but I, you know, and I'm embarrassed to tell you this, Megan, Brett, I'm so much ashamed, but, you know, I have to trust you. I haven't listened to all of your episodes, so. That's good. Um, That's a good thing. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I've listened to a few of them. Amazing. I do remember one of the first things I learned about you is that you're a radio uh, personality. Oh, uh-huh. Thank you. It was one of the first things that I may have I may have learned that before I even met you. Uh, because that's unusual, right? That's unique. Uh, particularly 11 years ago, it was much more rare than I think now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, thank, well, yeah. All right. So I'm an army brat. I never lived anywhere for more than four years until that stint that I left met you. And I mentioned that because I think living in lots of different places can give you a number of different identities. Not necessarily, but I think it can happen that way. Uh, You and I are both Army brats, right? So I think that has an impact. Yes. And all the baggage that goes with that, right? All of it, yes. And I have, I mean, my military background is different than yours in the sense that I, once my dad moved us to Maryland and got that job, then we stayed. Like I stayed there from the time I was three to 17. Oh, in uh, in was it Hampton or Norfolk? Which way I always. Oh no, it was, it was Silver Spring, Silver Spring, Maryland. So he he worked at the Pentagon. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Everybody that I listened to that you talked to had some association with Silver Springs. I'm not part of that club. Yes, exactly. That's my still okay. <laughs> You're still okay. I still wanted you. All right. Okay. So all right. Awesome. So so we got a little bit of background. So this is cool. So. Ooh, let's dive. Let's dive in. Yes. There are lots of identities that we all have. There's a ton. And I just want you to talk to me about two or three that you, in your opinion of who you are, feel like these identities align with the default and or privileged identities of our society. So first, I want to thank you for going with default and or privilege because it's led to lots of conversations between Laura and I. And it's, they've been interesting conversations just because I feel like we're saying the same thing, mm. but we're not agreeing on where we should go. We can come into that or not. Um, so I'm very much the default, even though I want to point out that the default is not what many people think. So I'm white. I think most Americans are white. Uh, I'm male. Most Americans are not male. So they're the default um, that I'm claiming is actually not the um the most common right. gender, right? There are more nice. women than men. At least there were last time I checked. Um, see, I'm a recovering Catholic, which I like to mention just because it's a fun thing to be. There are a lot of us out there. And and depending on who you talk to, I'm Christian or not. Uh, I finally remember having a conversation with a young lady in college at U of I. And she said, are you are you Christian? I said, well, I'm Catholic. And she said, but are you Christian? And I was I was taking it back because I'm like, how, how are you Catholic and not Christian? But I don't get that either. That's 
I don't. I don't either. But all right, got it. If someone can explain, just you know, go ahead, put it in the comments. <laughs> I don't. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, so I'm those things. So again, I'm not in the majority, but I think that's very much the uh, default. Although I'd like to see the numbers on recovering Catholics, now that I say that out loud. And I love that you're saying the word recovering. That's something I need to um, understand myself. That's interesting. <laughs> well, are you also? No, not at all. I grew up Episcopalian. Okay. I mean, would I call myself a recovering Episcopalian? No, no. I don't know what I would call myself. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing, but recovering Catholics, that's a thing. I love it. So, okay. So, so we've gotten, so let's say you said you're white. You said you're male which some of them goes on the default, some of them doesn't. Tell me why, in your opinion, then, you think... Okay, so first of all, out of those identities, mm-hmm. are there any of them that you think also go into the privileged category? Avoiding for the moment your use of the word privileged. And again, we can spend whatever you want to on that. Uh, just look at advertising out there. Not that that's a great barometer, but they're they're selling to me, Right. So Victoria's Secret, they put models on there that they think of what a male wants to look at. Actually, when I say that out loud, uh, a, a white male. Um, Saturday Night Live did a, a great skit this weekend about uh, football. Watch a football game. Who are they Who are they appealing to? Uh, me, right? Nice. So I, I think that that's not quite as extreme as it was when I was younger. And I love that that's changing, but the default is still... There, I think it's being chipped away, but I think I'm still the target for a lot of those things. And maybe, and I don't want to just throw it, you know, the, the commercial side, uh, what, what we're, what's trying to be sold. Uh, you now I go to the Secretary of State's office. I'm, I'm assumed, I'm presumed to be competent. I'm presumed to have the correct papers. I'm presumed to have a check that's not going to bounce. Uh, are so you presumed to be the, the position that you are? Does that make sense? So, so Dave is an attorney. So are you presumed to be the attorney in the room versus the administrative assistant or the, the, you know what I mean? Someone else that is of a position that is, and I'm, I hate to say this right now, but a, a lower rank in the context and the setting that you're in. Does that make sense? So my the scenario I was giving you is the secretary of state's office. They're not going to know that I'm an attorney. One of your questions is, is that an, about identities you hide? I actually tend not to identify myself uh, as an attorney um, for a number of reasons. Like when I go to the doctor's office, I don't want them to be afraid of me because they, my presumption is that, which is which is always kind of hard for me because it's fascinating and I want to know everything they're doing. Uh, and of course, when they give me the good drugs for the serious stuff, apparently I'm quite a talker. I don't know, but that's what they tell me. Uh, and I want to know. So if, if they're afraid that I'm asking questions because I want to damage them somehow, of course, they can be a, a concern. I think that's an interesting question. A lot of it depends on context, which, of course, I suppose almost every interaction does. Uh, I do think sometimes being an attorney helps because, like I said, I hold that in my in my bag. And one of my favorite things to do is if somebody and this happens rarely, it's usually in a courtroom. Somebody says, you know. Obviously, they're irritated with me. You're gonna, you're gonna talk to my lawyer, and I'll say, I would love to talk to your lawyer. I prefer to talk to your lawyer. And it's very disarming. It's almost, it's the equivalent in, in legal terms of saying, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna talk to my big brother. I'm, I, I would prefer that. It's very disarming, and I enjoy those moments when they come. Nice. Um, geez, I don't, I don't. 
I'm sorry, I don't really know how to answer that question. Everything really depends on, on where I am. I think in most situations, unless the need arises, I prefer not to um, put myself out there or identify what I'm doing uh, or, or who I am. But yeah. I can get away with that because if you look at me, I'm pretty male, especially with the beard. Um, I'm pretty white because, you know. Yes, guys. It doesn't show up on radio, but folks, I'm white. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, the heterosexual doesn't always come up. Uh, I, I suppose I don't sound like, uh, who's the guy we watched on Netflix? It's just stereotypically gay man. I don't think I have that voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, tell me if I'm wrong. No, no, no. I mean, there well, are voices. Yeah, yeah, I don't answer your question very well, Megan. Brad, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I think it's great because I think what happens is, and I've talked about this on some other uh, episodes, is when you have identities that hmm, you don't have to prove competency. You don't have to prove it, right? It's just right. assumed. Exactly. And it's that's just, an easy one to over. I'm sorry, I stepped on you. That's an easy know, one yeah. to overlook. And, and I don't want to. I don't want to you know, bring people into this that aren't, but you know that um, we deal with disability, right? And it's interesting to see how the presumption, which I have, I've gotten away with almost all my life and almost every context, the presumption of competence. And that's something most people don't even talk about, much less realize exists. So I enjoy the fact that in most scenarios, I'm presumed to be that. Yeah. So I don't have to deal with Things. I don't have to overcome presumptions against me. I mean, there, you know, there have been there have been times here and there, but nothing life altering. We just make for good stories on on podcasts. So I've been very lucky that way. So, so do you think you are aware of these identities often? Do you think you used to not be aware, and now you're more aware? You're older. You're married to Laura. I mean, do, do you think something? How often are you aware during the day that like, oh, yeah, there it goes. I, I'm that straight white male that they're advertising to or I'm that white male that they presume is the, you know, maybe the smartest in the room. I don't know. Are you aware of these identities? I, to the extent I am, it's because I, I choose to be. It's usually in watching or see how someone else is treated or mistreated uh, is really where it's highlighted. And then if the. I'm in a, you know, so let's say I'm in line for something and the person in front of me is having a hard time for whatever reason. And then when I get to the front line to place my order, I don't have that same experience. So why is that? It's because I don't have whatever that person's challenge is. I have enough money in my wallet. I know my credit card works. Uh, I can, even when I don't know the right terms, I mean, there really aren't that many scenarios in our everyday lives where we have to have an expanded vocabulary, right? Uh, and I'm also, you know, old enough and cranky enough that somebody says something they don't understand. I'll say, you know, I'm not following you. Can you, can you back up on that for me? Nice. Um, and again, I don't know that this is what the other person's experiencing, but my guess is, and my experience is at least consistent with concluding that they don't think I'm not that bright. They're just something that they explained that I didn't get, which happens all the time. As opposed to another reaction to be this person is just not that bright. They're not going to get it. And I can take advantage of them or get frustrated with them and not help them or or whatever the case may be. I don't have that. Yeah. 
I, I love that we've we've hit on the competence part. I'm definitely going to follow up on that. I, I really think that's in the presumed competence. That's what I appreciate about what you're talking about. So, okay. So, so we've got quite a few identities of yours and they align with the, I love how you're saying default. I say default, you say default. So default and, or, and people don't like the word I know, but if you listen to my episode one, you'll know I have a disclaimer for the word privileged. I listened. I listened to prepare for this. Oh, okay, good. Okay, good. So it is my, I, I know people don't like the word, but I'm trying to go with the denotation, right? So now thinking about who you are, which identities do you feel like don't align and, and they could either be, like you said, the ones that you keep close to yourself or ones that are kind of out there. But which identities do you have that you feel like are not part of the default and or privileged for our society? Ooh, that's interesting. So here's the, the, the most interesting part of the preparation for this, this process for me was I thought. And, you know, you're compatriot Laura agreed with this once I pointed out. She said, you know what, I wonder, I said, I wonder if I'm an intellectual. I really like to think through things. And I'm afraid to say that because just saying it sounds kind of snobby. And also, here's my, here's my, uh, my caveat. Being an intellectual doesn't mean you're necessarily intelligent. Uh, I am one of those people who thinks that intelligence, I think there are lots of different kinds of intelligence. There are lots of different kinds, and I'm more the traditional kind. I was the kind that teachers loved in grade mm. school because I did that kind of stuff pretty well. Um, so, 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 sorry so, to stop your thoughts for a second. So then, could you define? Because I completely agree with you on intelligence. I think I've never met someone who wasn't smart. Like I never met someone who wasn't intelligent. That's I, I think there's so many different kinds of intelligences. So, what in your mind do you mean by an intellectual? I like to think and I like to think through things and it's, it's interesting. And I, I, I'm really spending, putting extra effort in trying to define this in a way that doesn't make it, you know, come off as it's not, but I guess in fairness, I might be, but to me, an intellectual is somebody who just like really wants to think through things. So I can have a conversation like this with you all day. I'm sure we could cover lots of things, which doesn't make your life any easier to come up with podcasts. That's you know, the required length. But to me, that's to me, that's kind of what an intellectual is. Let's talk about this idea. Let's talk about this concept. And usually, much as I am fascinated by you know medicine, I mentioned earlier, science, things that can be reduced. To me, science should be reducible to something uh, verifiable, um, repeatable. You know, scientific theory. Uh, but ideas like you know who should vote or what's democracy or um, what's the way, best way to set up the city? Well, best for who? Those are things that I, <laughs> I would love to just be able to talk about all the time. I do remember when I was younger, I still remember this. I would have been in like probably middle school. Uh, actually, I didn't go to middle school. We didn't have that when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, by gum. The, uh, I remember thinking, I'd like to grow up to be a philosopher. But then I thought nobody can do that for money. And, that, you know, by the time I realized people like you and my wife and a lot of your guests that actually have jobs where you go to university and you teach and you think and you figure things out, what a great way to make a living. Unfortunately, I uh, started losing interest in academia and my grades suffered accordingly. So here I am. <laughs> so here you are. Here you are, but look, I think you've Here done really well for yourself. So your question, I, I, I also have this horrible habit, which uh, could be an aspect of being a, 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 an unfocused intellectual, of taking conversations the wrong direction. Again, 
You give me so many. I have so many ideas for the title of this podcast, The Unfocused Intellectual. <laughs> like, I just have so many ideas for the title. I'll have to come up with a really good one because I always take it from someone's quote. It's always a quote from the person. Your question was about identities that don't uh, don't align with the default. Yeah, so I'm curious as to why you, that's interesting. You Is that one of the ones that you're choosing? Well, that's one that I don't really know what, it, does it does it align or not? Um, and I think lots of people like to think about things, but I do it to to a fault. There's a great phrase um, I heard, analysis paralysis. You've probably heard it before. I haven't. I get that. So I, I, get, I get, get locked in there sometimes. But on the other hand, there are days I just want to do something. I go chop the wood. There's not a lot of brain power involved with that. I like to do that. So identities that don't align with the default. I have had some experience where being a dad, uh, I felt was not, you know what, it's not being a dad, it's being the primary caregiver as a dad. So I've had some stretches and it's been a little bit of a while, although we've actually had some with COVID and the impact that it's had on school. So as you know, we still have a high schooler and when uh, school was closed and my last job ended, in some ways it was time to pretty well in some ways so that I was available uh, to help him with his homework and schoolwork and that kind of thing. Uh, poor kid's going to be in therapy for decades because of that, that year with me being a teacher. But, um, and of course, the intellectual, that couldn't have helped him. Um, <laughs> but I was also, so that's more recently, but when we first moved to say, um, when we first moved to State College, when she first got the job there, and I was having some issues getting my law license transferred to Pennsylvania because I was right on the on the border of most states in the union. You can get your law license in another state after you practice for seven years. And I was just on the border when we moved. So it took me a while to do that. So I was um, interviewing and, and going through the process of getting that done. I don't know why I didn't get it ahead of, oh, I didn't get it done ahead of time because of the, the time frame. Um, Anyway, so we eventually managed to just to, to count that time. I got my license there, but in between that time, we had a newborn. And of course we had his brother uh, and I was the, the dad with little kids. And mom's groups, at least then and there, were moms. Mm, interesting. Not a big deal, uh, I think. But different. Preferred. Well, it's, it's, you know, how do you, how do you experience life? You get, you get feedback from your friends and your, and your coworkers. They didn't have coworkers then uh, go to the mom's groups and it, it could be a little bit off-putting for them as well. I think I'm not going to get into a discussion about let's have, let's have a group where everybody's involved. I think that's great, but there's certain groups where I think it makes sense to not have everybody involved, but there was some, you know, what do we do mm. with this guy? Let's go do this. Um, dare I say traditionally, female thing and does Dave want to come? Got do it. Do we want to invite him? <laughs> Are we going to talk about breastfeeding issues? You know, what's Dave right. going to do that? Probably going to make obnoxious comments and look uncomfortable. Let's not invite him. Interesting. I don't think I ever knew that. I, I did not know that. So primary caregiver as the dad in certain stages of your life. That's interesting. So I'm a trailer spouse. Where Laura goes, I trail her. So let's see, we did that. Um, so there was the move. Well, there, actually, there's a move back to U of I. Then there was a move to State College. 
And that's the period that I just described. And then we went back to, to Illinois again. Uh, but there I had a job as soon as I went back because people knew me in Champaign. So as you just said, so trailer spouse, sorry, never heard that term in my life. Trailer spouse. You use that. <laughs> so do you think that is also yet another identity of yours that may not be with like the majority of men in a oh you know, you mean not, not just the parenting aspect, just uh-huh. following her around. Mm-hmm. No, I I suspect that's probably that's probably true. Especially if we're going to hang our hat on the default is follow the, the man around. Mm-hmm. Um, she has found she's made she makes more money than I do. She made more money than I did. If we were even for a while, but yeah. So that's probably not uh, that's probably not default. Right, right. And actually, since we've been together, if you count being a graduate student as working, and mm-hmm. I kind of do because. It's a hell of a lot of work, right? Yeah, it is. Especially yeah. if you're driven like you and Laura are, that you know, you're you're doing things all the time. Um yeah, I, I think for a good chunk of that, she's made as much or more than I have. Does that is that something that you think about and kind of like are like aware of it, or is this just something that's coming up because we're having the conversation? No, I mean it's something that I'm aware of just because I'm the guy that does taxes every year. So <laughs> That's my job. Is, is that a default thing too? Am I the, am I the, um, so there's that, uh, but interestingly, so yes, I'm aware of it. Is it something that I'm self-conscious? Of? I'm thinking as your, you know, your millions of listeners listen to this, as I say it, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with it, but then here's the election. You know, we'll why. And honestly, it turns out her money's worth just as much as my money. And, and I also don't want to imply anything. We, you know, we put everything together anyway, it all goes in the same account. Um, but I think that's great. No, in no small part because I think she's fantastic and amazing, and frankly, I think she's underpaid as it is. Um, and it also raises the other issue back to our, our my discussions with my wife about privilege versus versus uh, default versus um, you know some of the more negative words we could use. Am I is she overpaid? I don't think so. Am I underpaid? Maybe. You know, there are different approaches you could take to that. And let's be honest, I worked for legal aid and the public defender's office for a lot of that. And you probably don't realize this, but there are not a lot of millionaires in public defense or legal aid. Didn't know that. I do appreciate that stat. Thank you. So some of that's by choice. Um, One of the things that I realized in law school that I didn't realize as I was going through is I actually kind of do feel for the underdog. And while I'm not a, uh, I'm gonna stereotype here for a minute, in the interest of, of not getting stuck. Um, I don't consider myself an anti-government type, but I can see what the government can do to those folks who, folks who are not competent, who are not well-equipped, who don't understand what's going on. Uh, and it's just something that kind of gets me worked up when I see yeah. it happen. So I was, I was drawn to that kind of thing. I don't think somebody should be able to um, prevail in a legal fight just because they're better equipped. Now, am I naive? Yeah. Well, this is. Okay, I I have a question, Dave. So I'm thinking about who you are, this intellectual, this person who loves to think, and then the person who fights for the underdog and, and someone who is white and male in our society. Have you thought to yourself, thought 
had questions, conversations, asked, wondered, why is it that perhaps Black people are not as privileged as white people? Why is it that a woman is making less money than a man? Why is it that someone, I mean, just all the questions of these these inequities, because you've done a lot of thinking. I am just curious, as someone in your position who's not those identities, right? Do you think, well, yeah, that is, why is it that I was blank enough? I don't even know if one is fortunate enough. I don't know. But do you see what I'm, do you hear what I'm trying to get at? Like, do, do you think of those things and do you ever have some answers or is it just kind of like a, huh? That's a tough one because I, I, part of the problem is, part of the problem, a big part of the problem is that it's so ingrained in our culture. And by, I, you know, I, culture, culture is a great word too, but in, in our country, just nationwide. I think it's very ingrained there. And I don't want to say that it doesn't happen in other countries. Clearly it does, just I'm not there. I don't know as much about it. Uh, I think I think a lot of it is just because of the way it's developed. So when I was born back in the 60s, not that I remember that, things were a certain way, many certain ways. And there were many things at that time that were slanted or uh, biased against, or choose whatever term you want, against certain groups. So that's my starting point. Now, in your point, so how did we get there? Uh, and then since then, I think things have improved. But I guess there's a long way of saying I just think a lot of it's just because that's how it is. Mm. So, um, you know, Warren Buffett's got this great saying where he says it, it, it's, it's, it's a great thought experiment. Let's say you get to the beginning of time and you get to set up a new society and you get to set up all the rules, however it's going to be, but you don't get to choose whether you're black or female or able-bodied or foreign or whatever. You don't get to choose any of those things. And I love it because my suspicion is if people took that seriously, they'd see how things are set up in a way that disfavors or privileges, however you want to put it, uh, a certain group. So I think there are just so many things to go into that. And you can, uh, I was listening to something about redlining the other day and how that had an impact on, it was actually in Kalamazoo, it was put together by a librarian. I don't know how this person found the time, but it was amazing what this guy did in his time. And um, how redlining prevented the, just gaining the wealth that you get with property mm. and then the accumulation that happens over time. And I mentioned that because I think one of the things I was getting at is the reason we're here is because so much has happened for so long. And I guess emphasis on so long is, you know, I, I benefited from my parents back in my starting point in 68. I had certain things and I'm guessing not that I want to put you on, but you had a lot of those things too, because we both had parents that were not, um, they were doing pretty well for themselves. But actually, having said that, you and I have probably had some pretty different big emergencies too because of um, our skin color and our genders. Yeah. So why is that? I think a lot of it is just because, and this is a silly reason for anything to be, but it's it's very true, is because that's how it's been. Yeah. And there's a lot of tribalism. One of the things that I can understand about why skin color is something that we default to so often is because it's visible. I mean, it's easy, right? You did that, that spiel about, um, and you talked to with 
Laura, I think on your podcast about everybody's not willing to say, you know, Megan Brett, she's the the tall woman with the dark hair, and they would just say everything except what. And and you got to tell me if I'm if I'm, I'm overstepping here. Uh, but the most obvious thing when we look at you, what's the thing that stands out the most? You're black. You're black female, right? Yeah. yeah. But nobody wanted to say that, uh, which I think is interesting. I uh, call those whispered identities. Whispered. The people like to whisper that identity. And, right. and and I say people, meaning normally the people that are not of that identity. So a white person might say, she's black. Or a straight <laughs> person might say, she's gay. I right? remember <laughs> your question was, why do we whisper that? I think that's a great question. But I can also relate to it. So here's another thing that is, is a white heterosexual. I sometimes whisper those things. I still, and I actually just did it just a moment ago when I said, so they danced around and I kind of paused, at least in my head. Do I call it red black? Do I call it African? Mm. So why do you, that's that's great. So, because I have my own ideas as to why I think people whisper the identities and, and I, and it varies from the person in the context, usually the person in my opinion, not as Mm. much as like the environment or the setting, but why do you, why do you whisper? Well, so I remember this. I remember this moment. This is probably this is actually probably before I met you. And a, I'm going to say he's a black guy, and I'll tell you why. He's a black guy who was a friend of a friend. And we were talking about something, and I hit a point in the conversation where that was an issue. And I called him or someone else African-American. And he said, oh, no, no, I'm black. So obviously, I still remember because I'm still telling the story, but I'm like, and I have no problem with calling people what they want to be called. But until I know that, what do I do? And again, as the white male, I, I, it's very counterproductive in any relationship to start it off by offending somebody, right? So, <laughs> Great sentence. Yeah. And it's easy for me to do that in some circumstances because I'm the default, right? So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more likely to whisper. Mm. Um, but why do I whisper? I think that's a great question. That specific issue on race, I think that's a that's my story. Oh shit! I called him African American. They wanted to become black. Uh, now, fortunately, I knew him already, so I'm guessing he's probably forgotten that. Obviously, I have not. Yeah. No. I. That's great. I think. Um. I mean, that's that's a very you know. It's, I want to say it's complicated, but it's really not complicated. Some people want to be called Black. Some people want to be called African-American. Some people understand the difference between race and ethnicity. Like, I think when I, I go to my intellectual research side of me, I'm mm-hmm. very clear as to when I say Black, which means phenotypically race. And when I say African-American, that's the experience of this Black person in America whose parents have been here and grandparents have been here versus someone who perhaps is in Nigeria, you know, and we both would be considered black, but our ethnicity is different, but it's confusing because yeah, that, you know, back in the what sixties and seventies, black power became huge and people owned it. People like, no, call me black. I'm proud to be called black. Right. And then they keep changing our identity and black Afro-American Negro. Like they, they change it every like, I don't know, 10 years. And so I think it just depends upon who you ask. And for me, again, I'm specific as to how I identify people that I'm talking about, you know, when it comes to my research. But when it comes to just the everyday, I have no problem if you call me Black. I have no problem if you call me African-American because I consider myself both. All right. I do. And I do think 
I know this, Black people here in America, we're having very different experiences from each other, right? It's not like this monolithic. I know I can say that, you know, you fill in the blank. I could fill in the blank there. But to talk about race, not all Black people are having the same experience here. You know, so... No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, so any other identities you feel like are kind of not, you know, aligned with the default and or privilege? Any ones that you feel stand out or, or you think about? Well, let's see. We've already covered being a lawyer. I don't work in a posh office in LA. I'm not making a quarter of a million dollars uh, a year. We covered <laughs> that one. So here's another. So I, I brought up intellectual mostly because and I'm, I'm already regretting that I did. Because it was one that I didn't realize until I was trying to get ready to say something that you could use. Uh, another one that I'm aware of, and I, I bring this up because I don't know if it's the default or not. So maybe you can help me. With it. I am a super um, proud. Now I'm, not, I'm not proud, but I'm a super patriotic American. I love this country. I love the ideas behind it. Um, the two books that I'm reading right now are the original meaning of the 14th Amendment and the words that made us, which is the development of the Constitution up through 1840. That's the stuff that I read for fun. Oh, my gosh. So we can talk about and I actually like to have this conversation, too. So what does it mean to be uh, an American? What is America to you? Is it other Americans? Is it the concept? Is it democracy? Is it whatever? I like those conversations because I like to see what people come up with. I am, I am a, I'm very much a, um, I, I haven't found the term for this, U.S.-ophile, America-ophile. Mm, I, I hate mm. saying we're Americans because so are the Mexicans and the Costa Ricans and the, right, right. It makes me nuts. But, you know, United States doesn't turn itself into, uh, you know, United Statesian. It just doesn't have a ring to it. So United I, I, states file. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we need to work on our marketing there a little bit. But I mentioned that because it's fascinating to me how many people sell. And again, remember, I'm a veteran and my father was a veteran. Um, how many people tie that into military competence or military strength? Or I'm like, you know, why is that your thing? Because your forefathers went and kicked Nazi ass, you know, 80 years ago. Is that what makes you proud to be an American? And I also think it's interesting in this, I feel like there's this national dialogue, which uh, <laughs> I love the joke about, you know, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's the ones that think there's two kinds of people in the world and everybody else. But if we could turn it into one camp versus another, there's just this disturbing dialogue about why are you pointing, why are you people pointing out all the shortcomings of this country? Why don't you talk about all the great things we do? And it's kind of come up to me in the, and the debates about CRT and all the idiotic things that some, sorry, I don't like that term, trying to get away from that <laughs> one too. But just the silly things that some people are doing, you can't teach our kids this in school because I, because I don't know why, I can't defend it. Um, I'm thinking, well, how, how if you truly, think about what you love the most. Think about your husband. Think about your son. Think about your parents. I mean, think about the things that are really important to you, and you probably know them well. And you probably know they have faults. Now, I'm all for saying let's keep our let's keep our discussion about faults in house and private. So, like when I get irritated with the boys, you you praise in public and you punish in private. I think that's a great a great approach to things. But you can't really do that on a national level. So why are we not willing to talk about as a country all the 
shitty things, and I'm sorry, that's actually a stronger term, that we as a country did to African-Americans during our formative years and until actually to some extent even to this day because it it happened. So we could talk about how amazing the arsenal of democracy is and we could talk about how fantastic it was, the concept they had in the Declaration of Independence. Let's do that. But why do we just focus on that? I love that, Dave. I think that's that's a man, that's a whole nother series season of you know what it means to be American. So um, I write that because I I am just uh I when I hear the Star Spangled Banner, I can feel it in my chest. Do you so cry? Yeah. Uh if I'm in the right mood. Wow. So, but it's interesting, it's interesting, it's disturbing to me, not for the least reasons of which is, is this happens a lot in you know fascist countries and other just horrible regimes is they start with the patriotism means it just turns almost directly into this muscular use of force against some disfavored other usually it's overseas very often it's the country where the people look differently not always um and sometimes it turns in it, it turns into this this just powerful destructive mechanism for othering people. And once you other people, you can do whatever you want to with them. Right? Yeah, this is um mm. but so so the reason I raise that is because I am not one of those folks. I don't think what makes America great is that we made it to Baghdad in a three-week sweep. I don't think it's great that the Taliban was chased out, ignoring the fact where we are now with what's going on in Afghanistan. To me, that's not what makes America great. But I don't think there are lots of folks out there saying the patriot, saying the things that I'm saying. No, and and I feel like the way you're describing it is I love how you're describing it, which makes me appreciative, to be honest, and making me think. Um, but to me, it just it sounded very similar to how we first started this conversation about being a Christian, right? Like, like people hear that word differently when people receive that word differently. So, so I'm listening to you talk about patriotism and being an American and I can really appreciate that. So I'm going to ask a tricky question, not a tricky. Why do I say tricky? Why did I prime your brain? I just want to ask a question. So what were your thoughts with the Colin Kaepernick? When, 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 so, so you, you get heartfelt when you hear Star Spangled Banner. How did you feel when you saw like Colin Kaepernick knee during the <laughs> this this is the point of the interview where we we find out how people are <laughs> they want to if they like what i'm saying or not i think because of both sides of you i'm taking all the point i'm taking all the sides of you and i'm listening to all <laughs> the sides of you and you got a lot of sides is, today. um i think it was fantastic okay. i think it was fantastic um so I, I'm one of those people that stands for any of them. Sometimes I can get emotional, which is a little bit embarrassing because that's not what, you know, an American male does, right? But it gets me. Um, so what he was doing was he was saying to me, is he was saying, he was recognizing, I don't want to say the sanctity of the moment because that overstates it, but I actually don't have a better word. So he was very much showing deference and people will say respect, choose whatever word you want. But he was he was facing the flag. He was silent. He was, I think, respectful. 
Um, and he was doing his own thing. He wasn't interfering with anybody else doing it. He was saying, this is my statement. Mm. I respect this. I admire this. But it's an incomplete vision. And I want you all who are seeing this uh, to acknowledge that. And man, I mean, what did it cost him? I know. Right? I know. So I admire that. Uh, I can't give him too much credit because I don't think he knew what the impact was going to be. You can't mm-hmm. take it back. You know, you right. make, but he clearly was making a statement. And, you know, we found out since then that he actually spent a lot of time and he actually made the decision to do that after discussion with another soldier. And, mm-hmm. Well, he's not a soldier, with a soldier, with the, I can't remember his name, but a special forces guy. Okay. Um, so that soldier thought that this was an appropriate way to do it. So, I say kudos to him because back to that thing about the, what are the two conversations we're having in there? I actually thought he did a great job of saying, I, I'm, I'm, I respect the flag. I'm standing for the flag, but you all need to understand that we're not done yet. Yeah. This and understand that we're having different experiences here. I think that's something that it's always been fascinating to me, which is why I'm doing this entire season is we're not all having the same experience here, guys. You know, and, and and a lot of it has to do with our identities and how our society views, interprets, tolerates. I hate using that word, but our different identities. So I don't know. That's how, yeah. That's a that's a fantastic question. Thank you for asking that. You know, put whatever you want to on the show. I mean, I don't. I'm going to be consistent about that. I really admire that you did that. And back to my earlier statement about patriotism. Too often to me is conflated with this, this militant bellicosity that disturbs me. Yeah. Um, because a lot of great Americans that I admire uh, were, 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 and I, I wish we had another word for fighting in a non-physical sense, but they were combating, they were pushing back against a system that was doing what I would consider un-American. Poll taxes, um, prosecuting people without an attorney. Uh, making it difficult to vote, redlining. That was that was a government involved thing too. So, um, but but if you look at what happened, a lot of the reaction was, and, and this blows me away. My father is in Arlington National Cemetery. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. where my dad, I think, is is looking to get buried. So, so that's where my dad is. Uh, when he did that, dead veterans did not enter my mind. He was. Colin did not disrespect anybody there from my perspective. Because yeah, it, was, it, it was not even on my radar screen, but you you may not be, but I saw a lot of a lot of commentary that he's disrespecting our soldiers, he's disrespecting mm-hmm. our veterans. Mm-hmm. So actually, see, see what I'm appreciating about what you're saying, Dave, is I think so often people feel like it has to be this or this. I'm like, it doesn't have to be this or this. You're even saying, you're like, I am a patriot and I can respect and support what he did. You can do both. You don't have to choose. And I think so often, like what you're saying about our conversations we're having, people feel the need to choose. I'm like, things can be and. Things can be and. Like, like you can be frustrated with our country and still love it. Oh, absolutely. What you're saying. There's a lot of discussion in the last few years about you know, you're, you're pro-law enforcement, you're pro-rioter. I can be pro-law enforcement. Uh, and part of the reason I'm pro-law enforcement is because they follow the rules. So 
call out the bad guys. You know, I understand the bad apples argument. Every group of any size has bad apples. The question is, what are you doing with the bad apple? And I have a problem with bad apples being there. I get that. What are you doing about it? And it was interesting to me how many, um, how many people were kind of doing the same thing. <laughs> I don't want to get, and then there's the, you know, blue lives matter, black lives matter thing. Oh, can't they both matter? And can we say I'm for law enforcement until they stop following the law? And then, you know, we should bring the hammer down on why are those two things inconsistent? Yeah. I always got frustrated too, because I, I completely agree with you on that as, as far as um, it's not everyone. It can't be. Blue lives matter. I'm okay with that. Uh. Oh, but you don't like black lives matter. Well, because that says that only black lives matter or black lives matter more. Okay. Let's just take your logic. Then blue lives matter means only blue. And, and mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, so. Um, All right. So firefighters, well, might, fi- firefighters lives it. don't matter. <laughs> It's hard to tell people that inconsistent. You know, I, mean, I screw things up all the time. Again, just because I'm an intellectual doesn't mean I'm smart. But I do want to be told when I'm I'm not making sense, uh, and that doesn't make sense. So, so it's an interesting time to be a patriot in this time because I hear very few folks on uh, I don't know, am I a liberal? I, I'm certainly not a conservative in today's U.S. lexicon. But folks that aren't conservatives I hear them identify themselves as, liberal, as patriots. And I don't get that. So, yeah, I could understand. I could understand why a person might not feel patriotic, particularly, and we could parallel it to Christianity. Mm. So I think I'm a Christian, but then I look at all the other folks that say they're Christians. Maybe I'm not. I think I'm a patriot, but then I look at all these folks that want to invade such and such a place and, and increase the defense budget as if that's love of country. Uh, I'm not one of them either. So I can understand it at some level, but you know, it's your flag. Leave it. Another title. So, <laughs> no, that is good. That is good. Um, I'm hoping yeah. you have something useful here. I, I was, I was concerned about, you know, put the stuff about Kaepernick out there. I, 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 I'm consistent about everything, um, but I, I was mostly concerned that I was giving you something you could use. People always give me something they could use. Always give me something I can use. Always because I just think people are awesome and people have their different experiences and everyone will talk about who they are and. I just think pretty much everyone's awesome. So of course you're going to give me something. Okay. So I do, I, I do want to tell you this story because I just, I get a kick out of this. So when we moved to Michigan, I was amazed to learn that Michigan in 20, whatever it was, 1918, still didn't have a public defender system like most other states. So another reminder that the past isn't that far gone. <sighs> so they did a lot of the thing where the judge just picked somebody in the courtroom and sometimes they know what they're doing and sometimes they don't. They're not all bad. But public defenders, that's all they do. And the other thing is the public defenders office, you have other lawyers. So they actually usually have pretty good criminal defense attorneys in a public defender's office. Okay. So work almost all the time. Right. I don't know why I'm thinking of social workers right now. It's like with the piles of paper or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> There's a similar, similar economies there. But I went to interview with the white, white bearded white guy. Oh, I didn't have a beard yet. And of course, I worked in the public defender's office. And I thought, well, this is a really fortunate time for me to be moving here as they're moving to the system. And he asked me a couple of questions that stuck with me. He said, one is I'm over 50 now. Um, so there's that. But one, <laughs> one question he asked me was, so are you going to be able to take advice from younger people? And, and I said, and I don't know this is what I'm on, but I said, if they know more than I do, then I don't. <laughs> I'm okay. going to listen to him. So yeah. maybe that's what it is. 
But the other one that he that said to me, because that was the first time I thought, am I, is this age discrimination? I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm trying to embrace the old guy. But the other thing he said, so most of our most of our clientele is going to be, I don't remember if it's Black or African-American. He said, how can you relate to that? And, you know, I told him I felt, I told him my experiences. I pointed out that I've worked with those populations before. And I said, you know, I, I think there are problems. That, but anyway, so I gave him the answer. But I remember thinking the white guy is asking me, the white guy, how I'm going to relate to the <laughs> that was uh, I didn't comment on it at the time, but I'm a horrible poker player. Your interview so, questions. <laughs> I may have had some facial twitch. That is oh, I've had better, I've had better interview questions, but not in that interview. Well, I always laugh too, but when when people don't know exactly who they're talking to, like I always laugh because you know, my husband, he's you know, military with a bunch of his white military, you know, uh colleagues, cohorts. And I know he's heard quite a few things that I'm sure many of them would not have said if they knew he was married to a black woman, you know, <laughs> like I'm just, and not just this military people. I don't want to throw them on the bus. I, I love a lot, of, a lot of his colleagues and friends, but even like when he goes to get his hair cut, you know, like someone, someone was cutting his hair once and they looked on the, um, at the screen and it was a basketball player giving an interview after the game. And the person cutting his hair was also white and was like, listen to them, listen to how they talk. And my husband was like, you mean African-American English? <laughs> I was like, oh, Byron. yeah, you don't know who he's married to. <laughs> Watch what you say, peeps. So one of the one of the evil parts of me is part of the reason that I'm not always upfront about my identity is you're more likely to catch things like that. And I, I don't say that as I'm expecting to catch people saying silly things. Sometimes in a legal or in a work environment where I know what the conversation is going to be about, I might. Mm-hmm. But just in general conversations, I think you learn more about people when you're not yeah. talking. And the other thing is you've noticed is once I start talking, shit, I can keep going. So, <laughs> so I got to wait for my moment because once I start talking, it's all good. You have shared a ton. So is there yeah. is there anything else? I mean, you know, again, like I, my questions are a guide and we go where we go. But is there anything else that you feel like you would like to share with me and my listeners? So, well, one of the things I wanted to ask is if there's anything that you wanted to talk about that I didn't cover. So, I mean, there's your chance to do some things I'm interested in, Dave, or something I'm interested in. That's one. And the other one is I wanted to talk more about your um, living in, in um, I always want to call it Norfolk, but it was actually Hampton, right? Hampton's yes. on the north side. Yes, 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 yes. So, okay. One moment, lovely listeners. I'm going to wake up my dog. Oh. I have a snoring dog in the background of my podcast. <laughs> wow, that's the light. I know. The dog's light. That's the dog's light. So, um, okay, what was the first question you had for me? So the oh, there's anything question, else I had for you. Excuse me. Was there something that you wanted to get my perspective on that I didn't mention? No, was I mean, to be honest, I just, I really, I was looking for, I don't know going to make you feel good or bad. I was looking for a straight white male. Uh, to interview because, and I found you, because I think what I want people to understand is even when on the outside, someone can look like they have, I'm not going to say all the privilege, but someone can look like they, they have uh, a life that looks pretty like society has been set up for them. Right. Oh, it's been set up for me. Yes. Right. It has, has. but I also wanted to delve into the parts that we don't see. 
right? So I always have an iceberg metaphor. And so the tip of the iceberg is what we see, right? But there are always things about anyone, about anyone that, I mean, and I'm not saying this about you, I'm just saying this about just people in general. Perhaps it's something um, in quote unquote invisible disability, right? Perhaps it's mental health. Perhaps it's a, a past that no one knows about. Perhaps that was turbulent. There's just so many things. And I guess I just wanted to make sure people always understand yeah, we might look at someone and act like we know what they've been through or, or how society's been for them or how life has been for them. And we might be right on some areas, but everyone is an individual. Every one of us is an individual and we all have our stories and we all have things that have made life a little bit easier for us. And some of us might have more, but we also have things that have maybe made things a little bit like, hmm, I feel a little different. Hmm, I feel a little out there. So that's why I wanted to have that. I think that's true. So Zach finally is taking a class that he really likes. Um, how much high school is required? Sorry, I mentioned his name. But he's taking a, a film class, which is very powerful for him. Um, which is, I mean, they've always kind of spoken to him. And I think they get that. Reading is harder. Spoken is harder. And movies are good at emotions, right? I mean, they're just set up that way. So we can relate to that. We've had a lot of good conversations about um, characters with complexity. Mm-hmm. And I'm tempted to say this is a change more. We find out why the bad guys are bad. Whereas in the early days, you know, Disney films, you never find out why the queen is mm-hmm. next. And, and I, that's probably why I love Criminal Minds. That is one of my favorite shows because I always want to know what happened. Something happened. Something There's a happened. reason for that. Yeah. Right? And we always say in the house, you say the bad guy never thinks he's the bad guy and that is acting 101 dave so when i took acting classes in new york i remember acting classes what haven't you done you're so funny so i remember though we had to you know prep our characters and i always remember thinking whoever i was be them quote unquote the bad guy or quote unquote whatever i had to play them like they were right Mm -hmm. like you you play them because you think you're right because Because that's how you exist, you know? And so you have to get the backstory on that. Well, why do I think I write? Because this person before me did the same thing that I'm doing to other people. So I, that must have been right. That's but the person, totally yeah, exactly. Generational, all of that. But I, I, I totally appreciate that because that is exactly how I think. I'm like, there's just, there's always, we see the tip of the iceberg, but there's always underneath. And unless you ask, you don't know. You don't know what's underneath there. And, and, and oftentimes we make assumptions. We do. And a lot of times they're wrong. And a lot of times people don't want to share it, which I get. I get that too. And that's, that's up to you. And I tell people, if you choose not to share what's underneath your iceberg, that's perfectly fine. Give grace that that other person has no clue what happened to you. So every year at New Year's, and I should do this more often, but my New Year's resolution, actually I have two resolutions. One is I resolve not to have any resolutions. And then the other one is that I try, I, I, I remind myself when somebody does something, it's usually in traffic, it just irritates you for no reason. Pretend like and remind yourself that they just found out that the person that's the most important to them in their lives has terminal cancer and they've got three months left. Because you don't know what they're going through. Right. Now, do I always do that? Is he like that? <laughs> Or do you so just cut them out? <laughs> right. But on my good days, I catch myself and I do that. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. And that's not to accuse what a lot of people do. No. Uh, but there's a reason they're doing it. I guess the intellectual, I want to know why.
That's that's me. I'm, I'm a why person. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Honeybee Connection Podcast by MB. I know I did. Again, I learned a ton um, from my conversation with Dave. And as you probably noticed, uh, these past few episodes, I don't do my tips and insight, um, but you can still get information on my podcast notes. So this time we should have some information there about what it means to be an intellectual um, and a little bit about the national anthem and patriotism. So thanks to Dave, he got me thinking about all these different kinds of topics I don't think about that often. So if you did enjoy this episode, please be sure to share it with your friends and subscribe so that you'll know when a new episode has been posted. I want to thank you so much for your continuing support and listening to my podcast. I have one more episode before I am just about done with this um, podcast of mine. So please remember to go to my website, www.meganbrethamilton.com. Lots of resources there. Um, my manual is listed there. You can also join my Facebook page. And um, always remember, when you work with people, language matters, culture counts.